0: Hello friends, um, I want to talk about race conditions because I just dealt with one in my browser and then f- not I think two minutes later, I dealt with one in my office. And it's always fun when the physical world mirrors mechanisms or problems that occur in the programming world. So here's the physical scenario. Well, here's the virtual scenario. So I'm working on a dropdown for my new Modals course for LiveWare screencasts. And I have a dropdown for each row in a table so that you can like click a little triple dot and see an edit and delete button on each row in the table. So there's a bunch of these dropdowns. Okay, so you click the three dots in one row, shows the dropdown. And if I go while that dropdown is open, if I go to another three dot and I click it fast just a normal kind of normal amount of fast, it opens for a split second. It's hard to know what happens, but basically the previous dropdown closes the new one should stay open, but it opens for just a split second. You just see a little glimpse of it and then it's gone too. So you basically just closed both dropdowns. So if it didn't open at all, I would think, oh, there's some, I don't know, whatever, like we don't even have to explore the reasons why that would happen. I saw it open a little bit. I was like, interesting. Why is this happening? Now, pause. We'll talk about that solution in a second. A few minutes later, I have a space heater in my office because it's freaking cold. It's snowed. And now there's snow. And now it's cold in my office. So I have a space heater. And this space heater is a little cube. And you press the power button, and it turns on. And then you press it again, and it goes to like... Half power and then again, and then another half power and then again, and then it's off. So it's not just an on off, it's like a step down. Okay. There's a safety mechanism on this space heater. At the bottom of it, there's a little protruding nub, and it won't turn on if that nub isn't depressed. So it has, which just means it's sitting on a surface. If you put this even on a carpet, it generally won't work because the nub won't, it needs to be on a solid surface for that nub to be pushed in. It's a little safety thing. So if the space heater's on and somebody knocks it over, it'll turn off because the nub gets undepressed, <laughs> whatever. Um, okay, so I have it on this. I, I can't have it on the carpet, so I put this little like um, Tupperware container lid on the ground, and then I put the space heater on that. It's very safe because it's thin plastic, so if it melts, the fire won't be that big, um, and I have some time to put it out when it inevitably happens. So this, I'm telling you that it's on a lid because it's not a totally solid surface. So I go to turn on the space heater, I click it and it turns on. And then when I release my hand, it immediately turns off. (laughs) So it was like on off, super quick. Because I pressed on, but my like finger pushing on the box itself, like turned on because it was depressed but then my as my finger like pushed harder it then turned off so i thought this was so funny that i just had the same exact thing happen in the browser that i just had happen to a space heater was like these two problems are of the same nature they're race condition problems or whatever you want to call it a problem where a mechanism engages but then before it's finished another mechanism Overrides that mechanism. So this sort of thing happens with database queries. It happens with user interface stuff It's especially prevalent with little UI stuff that pops in and out things that that open and close Are problematic because there's all sorts of mechanisms you put in place like if you have a drop-down you want it to close when you click away from the drop-down but You also want to register that click away from the dropdown. So maybe you click on a different thing and that click away registers and then also the click on. But if it if that thing has a click away, you know, there's so many little things. And that's been a huge part of this journey of building these UI components over probably multiple years now. um, These Alpine components is these problems. So this one, the problem is that the dropdown has a transition out. So the, the dropdown isn't quote unquote closed until it's fully transitioned out. So I had the top one open and then it's while it's open, I go to a one lower and I click on it and now I click on it. I have to like think about why this even happens. I click on it and then it starts to show, but because the other one is transitioning out for some reason. There must be an event or something that gets dispatched when it's gone. And because it's a transition, it like triggers an event. I actually need to figure it out. I need to figure out why. But one solution that happens to align with good usability is don't have transitions on the way out. I've stopped doing that with modals, and I'm going to stop doing that with dropdowns. It's the way Mac OS works. All Mac dropdowns, they fade in, and then they just instant go away when you click away from them. Um, I went on linear app to see what they do and it's, well, they actually don't transition in or out. Um, but there's other apps that, you know, a lot of like tailwind UI stuff transitions in and not out. It might seem nice when you're building it to have it fade out as well, but in reality there's problems. Okay. One usability, I think it's just cleaner when something just Insta disappears, you know, you get the nice fade in. So it feels like a nice dynamic thing, but then it Insta disappears because you closed it. Um, transitioning out, I have learned is like a thousand times harder than transitioning in. And this goes for anything. It's like, maybe you have a focus trap on your modal and then you close the modal. When do you release that trap? Do you release it after the transition's finished? And if you do that, you have to have some mechanism to hook into that transition to know when it's complete to release the trap. Right, so well, here's another example. If when you open a modal, you disable scrolling in the background, it will remove the scroll bar from the right. So it'll shift everything when you open the modal. And this is fine because if you click it, it'll disable scroll. And so the layout of the page changes, that scroll bar disappears, and then your modal comes in and it actually looks fine. But then if you click away from the modal with the transition out, you click away, And you release the trap, release the scroll lock, and now that scroll bar comes back in and shifts the whole whole modal to the left for the duration of it transitioning out so it looks janky. So then you need to hook into the transition to only release the trap after the transition is finished. Oh, and there's so many scenarios where something might be transitioning out and then you trigger a transition back in and you have to account for that. There's times where you have data being cleared after the success of an action that closes a modal and if that data gets cleared and then the modal is transitioning out you see that jank you see that little like whoop the form cleared right as i'm transitioning out so it just looks janky and when i was building all the transition stuff it was this was a, uh, this is something i've run across building the transition stuff and then using it in everything for years is transitioning out is so problematic in so many circumstances so maybe this is just a lesson on transitioning out just don't transition out that's my warning to you um but it's also a bigger lesson on race conditions and the fun of experiencing a programming mechanism in the real world i've also like had thoughts about toilets that i might have talked about here or not like you start once you you know you develop systems then you start to see that physical things have have their systems as well and they share a lot of similarities when you flush a toilet um, how does it know to stop filling back up there's a float inside the toilet container thing and when the water reaches it you know reaches a certain height it it like pushes that float up and then it triggers like a mechanism to stop filling the tank which i think is like it basically like if you built a software version of a toilet you might think This Okay, the toilet container, the water base basin, is like three liters in capacity. So you might have a function called flush, and then when flush is finished, or even right as soon as you call flush, you start calling fill up tank, and you pass in three liters as a parameter, and then it fills three liters. And it'll work most of the time. But let's say that you flushed twice quickly or something, Now it's like, wait, there's like two, it was only filled up to two liters last time. And now you just add an extra three liters. So now it's five liters and your tank is overflowing. So if I was a software developer, I might make a really bad toilet. And then to fix it, I might be like, okay, I need to call a function to see how much is in the tank. At the time I call fill up tank and then subtract the full volume subtract the, what, the current volume from the full volume and then only fill that amount. But let's say that there's some time delay there. So the time I made that calculation, between the time I made that calculation and finished filling up the toilet, there's another problem. Or now you have two concurrent functions that can f- you can flush the toilet from two different places and now you're filling up three liters times two. Or you already added in that math but it didn't account for like concurrency. I'm saying all this to say that the float is a lesson in programming of like when you need to prevent an outcome or program in some safety to make something, basically you want to ensure that the tank is only ever, it's always just going to be filling until it reaches that threshold. It's a step You could have like a separate system that has an event, like an observer or something that knows, like it knows the current height of the tank and it just fills itself If it's less than full and it detects when it's full and then it stops filling itself like as a separate system instead of this imperative, like fill tank, fill tank with three liters. It's literally just like trigger, like whatever, as the tank is some sort of observer. I don't know. I've never programmed a toilet, so I can't tell you how to do it. But (laughs) those are the thoughts I've had about toilets. I've had this about a lot of things because I think there's a lot of lessons to learn from physical machinery and systems that are tried and true and work and have been honed over many many years like your furnace like basically appliances can teach you a lot about systems and failsafes and whatever like a furnace and a flame sensor that's another example like there's all these there's all these stages of starting a furnace and every piece in the stage has to be functioning you know otherwise it'll do like a graceful shutdown where if i was just like programming a quick furnace i'd be like turn on the gas turn on and then start the igniter after the gas has been turned on for you know 20 seconds or sort of two two seconds i don't know but in reality your igniter might be broken and you don't know so now you're just pouring gas out indefinitely so that's what flame sensors are for to sense that there is a flame if there's not it'll shut off the gas and like that's another fail safe that you know whatever i don't know it doesn't apply to toilets but we're just talking systems this episode went from space heaters to toilets to furnaces and made a detour to modals and dialogues or in drop dropdowns along the way. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll see you.